One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Good morning and welcome to our post-deadline edition of the Daily Ding. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by the one and only Will Guillory. Not Mo to kill this time. We got Will Guillory here, the Pelicans writer for The Athletic. Will, uh, what the hell was going on today? It was a crazy day. Not so much a crazy day for the Pelicans. It was much more quiet than expected before the entire NBA. It was uh, pretty insane. It was one of the crazier deadline days I remember in a while. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Start, I mean, really starting from the day before. Uh, by the way, Daniel Lehman is our producer for the show. We're going to get into the trade deadline stuff, but we're going to start weaving in some of the important moves. And we have to start with the biggest game of the evening, which wasn't LeBron having a ceremony for the scoring record <laughs> and then going to sit with Velo of all people. That was a weird sight. We'll get to Very that later. Weird. But it was the new look Brooklyn Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie's Brooklyn, or really Cam Thomas's Brooklyn Nets, beating the Chicago Bulls that for some reason did not get anything done and everybody in Chicago is pissed off about it. But the Nets with an almost entirely replaced lineup, they won 116 to 105 and Spencer Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas, who had a horrible shooting night, but got to the line 13 times. Like they actually look like a pretty formidable backcourt. Yeah. I mean, you kind of figured Dinwiddie would step in and play pretty well. He was obviously very familiar with Brooklyn. They run a system that, you know, allows their point guards to shine. So he came in and had a good game. It was unfortunate because I was looking forward to seeing Cam Thomas keep the streak going. Can he get one more 40 point game? He was basically bricking the entire game. He finally got it going in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, really, this one, this game was very similar to the trade deadline day for Chicago because there were some stars involved, but it was just an overall very frustrating experience. Not a whole lot of life there. It was like this this Brooklyn team is there for the beating, and, and they just really couldn't get over the hump. And it was just like a reminder of why they should have did something today, but they they should have done something, but they didn't. So yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, the, the Brooklyn team looks interesting, though, even without Bridges and Cam Johnson out there. They got some interesting pieces now. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't have their best player yet. Um, you know, we see that you know, Dinwiddie is not an offensive fire, firehouse in the way that Kyrie can often be, but he's a good, consistent scorer and a, you know, a capable playmaker. And watching him work out there, you see the way that this team will be able to defend and shoot, especially with the way that Mikhail Bridges' offensive versatility and you know and scoring ability has really taken a step this year. Like they actually could potentially have a capable offense with a dangerous defense. And this is one of those games that gives you hope that they're going to be able to stay out of the play and actually hold on to a top six seed this year. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, fascinating to see, you know, how much they can kind of hold on to that spot where they're going to land. Because, uh, you know, without Kyrie and KD, you automatically say, oh, they're tanking now, but they have enough pieces to stay at least pretty good. They're, they're going to be right there. I'll be shocked if they don't make the playing tournament. But, I mean, even beyond that, I just think they're just going to be one of the more interesting teams, just figuring out what they're going to do with all of these guys. They got, like, a 100 wings on the roster. They got Bridges Cam, uh, Finney Smith, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Yuta uh, uh, Watambe, and then they got Ben Simmons, that guy, you know, just hanging out over there. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, they got so many guys. And all of these picks now, I don't know what Brooklyn's going to do. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be very interesting once we get to the offseason because they're going to do something, but I don't know what exactly 
Okay, so let's just use use this as a segue to talk about the guys who are no longer on the team. And that's Kevin Durant. He's a Phoenix Sun player, finally. Kyrie Irving went to the Dallas Mavericks. Those two teams are both on the outside looking in at the top of the Eastern Conference. They're both fighting for home court advantage in the playoffs. Let's start with Phoenix, obviously. You know, they're they're not gonna catch Denver. They're eight and a half games behind Denver as of this recording. But they can at least establish themselves as a dangerous team and get home court advantage, maybe even climb up to the two seed so that they can at least get home court advantage in the second round, or you know, who knows, maybe the conference finals that Denver gets knocked out. But do you see KD's addition putting this team over the top to being a bona fide contender? Or I should I guess I should say front runner to win the title yeah i think they should definitely be one of the top two or three favorites i, I think you know the big thing for them is just getting healthy at this point we katie's not going to play in the all-star game we're still not sure when exactly he's coming back book is just coming back from his injury but he's kind of been in and out with that same injury and we know cp has his injury history so i just want to see this team on the court kind of figuring it out before i can say i put them above a denver or a Memphis, uh, but I mean, just the talent they can put on the floor is just, you know, they can score just at an outrageous rate with KD and Devin Booker out there, and I, I just can't wait to see those two guys playing together and, and the way they can kind of attack defenses and shoot a million mid-range jumpers, and you throw CP in there, the other mid-range king, but yeah, this team is going to be very dangerous. Uh, of course, they still got DeAndre Ayton as well, so uh, they got all the weapons in the world, but they just got to keep these older guys healthy and get them to the finish line uh, so they can really make some noise in the playoffs. So, I mean, what what is their starting lineup? What's the rotation? Is it Torrey Craig starting or Damian Lee starting? And then like Josh Okogie after that, who had a, he had a huge game in the loss to Atlanta. He had 25 points. Yeah, they really like Torrey Craig. I think he's helped them, you know, just having a little bit more, you know, offensive rebound and punch. He's a more versatile defender, I would say, probably than Damian Lee just because he's bigger. But I think Lee's one of those guys. He's a connector. He can hit some corner threes every now and then. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some starts here and there. Uh, but yeah, but I think that's the thing with losing Bridges and Cam Johnson. They just don't have a whole lot of wing options. I mean, they went out and got Darius Baisley from the OKC Thunder. We'll see if he can get into the mix somehow, but they're going to have to eat up those minutes somehow. And it's kind of similar to the situation in Cleveland, where right? Where it's like, we know there's going to be one guy sitting in the corner wide open. Can they find that one guy that's going to make enough shots uh, just to keep the offense flowing? Yeah, and you know, campaign and Landry Shamit have both been hurt, so you know they could get healthier and that rotation could fill back up. So, you know, maybe something changes there. Uh and then moving on to the other game that was actually fun. It was the Lakers and the Bucks, and the Lakers didn't have like anybody from their new rotation. They at least had Anthony Davis healthy, Dennis Schroeder was available. Um, you know, Rui Hachimura is starting now. And then the rest of these guys is like, who knows if they're going to be in their rotation. But what do you think of this Lakers shakeup? And what do you think of, we'll get to it later, but just what do you think of the Bucks bringing in Jay Crowder and then not really shaking up anything else in the rotation? Right. I mean, uh, first off, I just thought, like you brought up earlier, it was funny that LeBron kind of gave his speech before this game, after he gave his speech after the last game. <laughs> it was kind of like him saying, yeah, I forgot my speech in the back uh, last game, so I'm going to bring it out and make sure I say it this time. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I'm along with everybody else. I really like what the Lakers did with this roster. They didn't do the typical Lakers thing where they went star hunting. Uh, they went added what they needed which was depth and three-point shooting uh, I'm I love Malik Beasley next to LeBron I think Vanderbilt's going to be a really good compliment to AD in the front court if AD can stay healthy D'Lo you know you can take him or leave him I think he's going to be good for them on certain nights 
Uh, but I just think overall, just adding more competent bodies uh, to the rotation is going to be big for them just to take some of that stress off of LeBron every single night. And I just think that their approach was a lot smarter this time around, just adding some depth. Mo Bamba, I think, you know, he's fine. We'll see how that works out. But I just think they're, they added to their depth and they added more shooters, which is what they needed, and not just another star to play next to LeBron and AD, which seemed like was their original goal. Yeah, I was. I'm really wondering how Vanderbilt's going to be used. He generally plays the four, especially next to Anthony Davis or Mobamba, both guys that can stretch to the you know to the top of the arc. That gives him room to be an effective you know roll guy or dunker spot guy. But he he brings them presence at the rim, and I feel like this team they need shooting and they need guys that actually know how to get to the rim and make good decisions. I don't know if Vanderbilt can make good decisions at the rim, but he can at least be impactful there. And I just feel like the Lakers have become a lot more potent all of a sudden and a lot more, not like composed, but maybe more, uh, they have the ability to create a team that could be consistent and have an identity in the fourth quarter, which is something that's just kind of come and gone throughout the season. Yeah, I think it feels very similar to what we saw them build that title season, right, where I think it's going to be a lot more the offense run straight through LeBron James. Uh, I think they need to feed AD more, and they just have all of these role guys who kind of understand where they fit in. Uh, I think D'Lo is going to be the wild card in that, but I just think it's less of, okay, we got to take out this chunk of the game to make sure – Russell Westbrook gets his touches. I think it's more of a we're going to flow this thing through our main two guys, and we got a bunch of pieces that fit around them. And I think with Vanderbilt as well, he's going to add just some rebounding. I think so many of these games you see Anthony Davis having to get 15, 17, yeah. 18 rebounds, and now Vanderbilt is just going to take some of that off of him as well. So, yeah, I, I like all of these role guys they added, and I just think it was a, a really good deadline day for uh, Rob Palenka. Yeah, D'Lo, I would love to see if he could get rejuvenated somewhere, but uh, we'll see at this point. But let's follow the thread <laughs> of that trade, because that trade was fascinating, because you had Mike Conley reuniting with Rudy Gobert in Minnesota, which is probably the trade I'm most excited about, because Minnesota's really? just been so disappointing this year, and this maybe gives them a chance to actually make all their moves pay off, because Conley just, I feel like he could be the one that actually unlocks Rudy Gobert's potential offensively. And then Russ, he's getting bought out by Utah. It sounds like it sounds like he's going to go to the Clippers. And so the Clippers, they kind of like shuffled their depth around and then still have a weird deep, you know, weird depth with, I don't know why they would want Russ in the building after getting rid of John Wall, who's probably getting a bought out as well. But what did you think of that trade, just seeing all of these weird fit point guards moving on? The first thing I did when I heard about Russ to the Clippers, I was like, okay, when is the next Clippers-Lakers game? I need to watch that oh, it's game. it's going to be incredible. But unfortunately, it's not until like the the literally maybe the third to last game of the season for the Lakers. So it, we, we got a long way to go. But I know Russell has already has that game circled. He can't wait to get his revenge uh, against LeBron and the Lakers for sure. But, you know, with the Clips, I, I think they needed to do something just to spice up that rotation. Um, I, I think Russ may be able to give them a little bit something to transition, uh, just getting more downhill with their offense. I think that was what I just didn't like about this team so much. It just feels like Paul George and Kawhi has to create so much of the offense. And with Reggie Jackson, it felt like he fell off this year. John Wall hasn't been healthy. And I think just having Russ around just to be that consistent guy who can get them easy buckets. I, I <laughs> consistent. Think help. Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook being the consistent guy to well, get yeah, the easy buckets. I think he he consistently does what he does. He doesn't always do it well. 
but he consistently is going to attack the basket, go in transition. It's not not always good results, but you know what he's his plan is every single night. So I think that'll help them a little bit. Uh, but he'll I mean, he'll consistently that, get them the hardest buckets imaginable. Yeah, he'll clink the, the side of the backboard with a mid range jumper every now and then. But I mean, Eric Gordon. I mean, just thank goodness he's not in Houston anymore. <laughs> you know, he finally escaped after years and years of being on the trading block. We'll see. You know, him home having his homecoming with the Clippers. One of like twelve guys who had a homecoming uh, trade deadline day. But I mean, I think it's fine. I, I don't really love any of the, the individual guys they added, but I think they needed to do something to consolidate the rotation. And I think overall, it was a kind of a B plus kind of day for the Clippers. Yeah, I'm not sure if Eric Gordon's still better than Luke Kennard. I mean, he's older for sure. He's at right. least a more potent creator, uh, or creating his own shot at the very least. You know, but and probably will be a little bit more physical of a switching defender, which will which will be yeah. helpful. He'll but, be less of a target, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, Mason Plumley is a really interesting addition. I mean, he's similar to Zubats, right? So at least they know how to use him. Um, but. Bones Highland is the really interesting one because he wanted out of Denver. There's so much drama going on with him in Denver. I don't really know why. I felt like the situation was set up for him to succeed. And that that fell apart. And I'm wondering if he will be the one that they really give the keys to when it's not PG and Kawhi because he's a guy that can at least find a shot. Yeah, it'll be fun watching him and Russ fight over the ball uh, with some of those (laughs) second units. Uh, But Bones is kind of that guy to just just give you a little bit of that – uh, you know, just just jack up a couple three pointers in the second quarter, see if he gets hot, type of guy. I, I think they probably needed that some with their offense. So I think he could be fun. It was just weird that it didn't work out for him for in, in Denver because it felt like, you know, who doesn't fit next to Jokic, right? But I, I guess, uh, yeah, he just wanted to change the scenery. So we'll see how it works out with the Clippers. All right, so we got to get to the Bucks getting Jay Crowder and just looking at the makeup at the top of each conference now. So. I mean, how did you see the the East between Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Philadelphia? We can obviously leave Brooklyn out of that for now. How did you mm-hmm. see that before the deadline, and how does it shift now after, I mean, it's the Crowder trade, and then the Jalen McDaniels trades, those are the two ones that seem to have made an impact. Right, yeah. I mean, for me, that really much hasn't changed. <laughs> you know, I still, I saw Boston as a tier above all of those teams in the East, and I think right under that I had Philly and Milwaukee, and I think... You know, I, I'm glad you kind of broke it down as McDaniels and Crowder because I think those guys probably going to have a similar impact, even though their names aren't similar. It's just for the public, but I think you know, just we just haven't seen Jay Crowder play at all, and I think McDaniels has been a pretty decent piece out there in Charlotte. I don't really know why they decided to just give him away, uh, but I think he's going to be a nice addition there for Philly. I think that's a typical Daryl Morey move, just finding really solid guys to to add on the fringes. And I I just think, you know, Milwaukee, again, watching them tonight, maybe Jay Crowder will come in and and be big for them. But it just feels like their rotation gets really thin after you get past those top four or five guys. And, of course, Bobby Portis is out right now. Uh, But, yeah, I just think they just don't have enough quite to to compete with Boston when they're fully healthy. And I feel the same way about Philly. I just think Boston just has too many weapons. Yeah, I love that McDaniels trade for Philly if they actually are going to keep him. And he is restricted, so they probably can keep him for a pretty decent uh, amount. But I like him. I mean, I, I've had I've, I've reported this I think earlier this week, but I've had a few front offices raise questions to me just about targeting these Charlotte guys. Charlotte has not been a serious club a lot of the time this year, and it's like 
when you put these guys into winning situations, are they going to actually still perform well when they can't kind of just do whatever they want within an inconsistent system? So right. I, I hope that it pans out for him as Jalen McDaniels is a really good player. And I also mistook him for Jaden McDaniels early, earlier this week in a piece. So <laughs> we're going to continue to do that least, as well. <laughs> I need him to make a name for himself so I don't mix it up. Um, all right. The, the last thing we, we have to get to here is the Pistons. Why are they trading for James Wiseman? Why are they trading trading away Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman? It, it was it was really strange. I mean, I kind of get it. It's just a talent buy in, right? It's like, hey, we really like this guy coming in the draft. We put him in a situation where he can take a bunch of bad shots and just figure it out. Maybe it'll work out for us. You, you're buying on the talent, which is fine. But they already have Beef Stew there. They already have Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran is better. They might get Victor Wembanyama for all we know, <laughs> which will make this even more complicated. I want all centers, baby, all centers. <laughs> so it's like I'm not sure what they're how they're going to get James Wiseman enough minutes to figure it out. They also got Marvin Bagley just chilling over there. They just paid him, and now I guess he's not getting going to get minutes anymore. Uh, so I mean, I don't, I don't really know what's the plan there. Uh, Sadiq Bay is the type of guy you would want next to Kay Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, I would think. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's just. You know, Detroit just throwing stuff at the wall and sees what sticks, I guess. All right. Well, James Edwards will break down whatever the hell's going on in Detroit. So go read him. <laughs> go read Will for his breakdown of one of I thought the most interesting deals of the week was Josh Richardson going for four second round picks. Um, yeah, I mean, that was quick. light compared to some of these other trades, right? <laughs> I mean, it was I've never everybody. All the text that I was uh, throwing around the league was just everyone being like, how the hell are this many second rounders going? But I'm guessing people are looking at it as this, you know, the value of a second rounder apparently has dropped that you got to put multiple of them in there. So if you send a bunch out, you'll probably be able to trade someone in a year or two that will net you two back or so. Yeah, I mean, I think somebody put out the official number. It was over 30 second round picks got traded today and yesterday Jesus. between all of these trades, which is insane. I mean, just to think about how many seconds is because you can kind of understand because so many teams feel like I don't want to give away a first. Everybody's so like we got to put this type of protection on the first. so We don't want to be the team to lose our first round pick, but we'll just give away all of these seconds. So we're not <laughs> so we're not giving away a first. But yeah, I guess that's just the the, the new currency these days. If you want to buy a solid role player. It'll cost you four, maybe five seconds. So uh, I guess that's the new rule now. We'll see how so it works ridiculous. out. <laughs> it was it was kind of applied inconsistently around the league, though. I mean, but you know, I, I think New Orleans probably is looking at it as Josh Richardson's going to hit the gas now that he's on a good team and be a really important, you know, creating wing for them, and that's something that they need to, to replace Devontae Graham. But you know, between San Antonio getting that many picks for Josh Richardson, and then maybe the best. It was probably like a little subtle, but the best draft pick value haul is probably the Spurs getting Toronto's top six protected pick. Where like there's a good, there's a very very solid chance that that could be like a late lottery pick for Yaka Pertle, who is like a good player, but you would trade him for a late lottery pick in a heartbeat if you're not if you don't need him to win right away. And can we just get into Toronto? What a strange day for Toronto. I mean, they were just in every headline leading up to trade deadline day. What's going to happen with Van Vliet? What's going to happen with OG Ananobi? Is Pascal Siakam a guy that might get traded? Gary Trent Jr.? And it turns out they kept all of those guys and just got Yaka Pertle. So it's like, okay, so are they just hope Pertle's going to come in and they're going to be a good team next year? Uh, it's just very strange when you got Van Vliet. And Trent hitting free agency. OG Ananobi wants a new contract. Yaka Pertle wants a new contract. So uh, what's exactly the plan there? I mean, that pick's not going to be better than 16 or maybe 15 this year, most likely. So I 
I, I'm shocked that they were willing to give up a pick that good for a guy that's going to like maybe make them a little bit better this year. But I guess they must think that something's coming around the corner next year. I can't imagine it's re-signing all these guys, but they, they kept OG. And there are a lot of picks out there for OG, but I guess they wanted four or five first and they, they didn't want to do that. Yeah, maybe they should have just asked for like 20 seconds. Maybe that'll have been the way to get it done. <laughs> just don't ask for first. Just ask for every single second round pick for the next 20 years and that'll get the trade done. All right, well, we went 20 seconds over time here, so I'm going to cut it there. He's Will Guillory. I'm Jared Weiss. Daniel Lehman is our producer. We will see you next week on The Daily Dinner. Hey, Daniel.